welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about someone I've waited 20 plus months to talk about with you, Tim. Ah, spoiler alert, I'm Justin. I'm Tim. Ah, see? Spoil it. (laughs) This week (laughs) on Forever Canon, we're going to talk about... Ah, what a stupid joke. Fate of the Jedi. Worked though. Book three, Abyss. Chapters 17 through 20. The chapters where... Yes, finally. But first, bum bum bum. Previously, on Forever Canon. Jane and Jag's secret is out. Solo parents are mad. The tribe follows ship to a shape-shifting tentacle lady. Luke looks for answers beyond shadow. Finds some yikes. Ben gets de-snacked and contemplates murder. Mm-hmm. That was last week, see? Tim said it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> de-snacked. Yeah. You know, they, <laughs> they did. They came in. Those feral ghouls for, took all his snackaronis. Mm-hmm. And, well, they're trying. Anyways. Listen to the last episode. Go download it. You'll figure it out. This week, we start with... Wait. But that was last week. Did I say that yet? Aha. Uh-huh. You did now. Maybe twice. This week, <laughs> we start with chapter 17. And we are just outside of a courtroom. Looking through a, a special viewport. At the arraignment of Tahiri Vela. Jag is sitting outside the glass with Dala. As per her request. Because he requested a meeting. Yeah. She said, I'll be here. <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you don't need to see me, this is where I'm at. I'll be here watching uh, Tahiri Vela in court because I feel so good about having her arrested. So come on and have a chit-chat. The Solos are there also inside the courtroom. But Mom and Dad, Jag notices, are sitting on the opposite end of the bench as Jaina. Because remember, like I said, they're mad. They're also very mature. <laughs> they're also big fucking hypocrites. Yeah, they're six seats away in this, and there's six empty seats too. So yeah. it's not a very packed place. No, and like, don't glance to the side because it's the only other person there is the person you're <laughs> mad at that you're trying to yeah avoid over a twelve hour secret or some shit. The judge here in the uh, brand new Court of Jedi Affairs was handpicked by Chief of State Dalla. So, the think, judge... Things are going to be fair. Yeah, well, they're going to be very fair, I'm sure. Yeah. And so the judge refuses to let Nawara Venn, Supreme Lawyer for All Jedi, refuses to let that lawyer represent Tahiri because Tahiri is not a Jedi anymore. And that would be a conflict of interest. And then winks probably at the glass where she knows Dala is. <laughs> and like, we did it, buddy. <laughs> Fucked him good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... I don't know, this part, I don't know, the first first part of this chapter with just, like, the, between Tahiri and Nawara and, yeah, I said that right? Yeah. Jeez, that's weird. And the judge, uh, between the three of them, the, like, back and forth where instantly Tahiri and the lawyer realize, uh, what? (laughs) Wait, her attitude's all off. (laughs) The vibes are wrong in here, you know? Yeah. Things aren't going how they should. Yeah. And then to the point of 
The judge saying, nope, he can't be your lawyer. Ha 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 ha, tricked you. And then the courtroom gets all mad. Han Solo stands up, shouts things, I think. I don't remember yeah, specifically. He tries to get up and yell, and Leia makes him sit down. And then the second time, just things go bonkers, and she doesn't even try anymore. But here's Dala just poking fingers in the sore wounds of the Jedi. Like, trying to just create a little more turmoil, you know? Mm-hmm. Another, not even turmoil necessarily, but another just sticking it to him. Yep. Yep. You think you're going to use this lawyer? Well, ha, ha, ha. You've used him for all the other Jedi, and she's not a Jedi. So behind the glass, Jag tries to convince Dala that she's going too far with this whole Jedi thing. Looking like a tyrant. And then he shows her the spy droid from Moff Leckerson. Why? (laughs) In the text, right, he's like, he tells her, that it's, look, it's been the, the moths kicking up dust and stirring up problems between you and the Jedi. That's a third party interfering that's causing these problems. Don't, you know, don't stop yeah. taking it so far. Yeah, yeah, don't fall into their trap. Because you're doing exactly what they want you to do. But, but why? Because we already know also that Dala doesn't like the Jedi herself. Yeah, it's always been clear. Yeah. It's been, it was a concern of Jaina's at the end of the last series. Which was two years ago. Yes. And so all along the way, he comes to this point where he's like, I'm going to show her this spy droid and it's going to change her mind. And Dala essentially tells him the same thing that we just, the same conclusion we just came to. Uh, I'm, I want the Jedi under government control. Yeah. It's what I want. I don't care how I get it or, you know, what if it's. Being inflamed by a third party. Yeah, she's a, she's a little mad that they're sticking their fingers in. She gets mad at Jag. Yeah, for not keeping so. control. Yeah, uh, those are your sheep. Get them in the barn. The yeah, other yeah. earthly metaphors. Wrangle up your whatever's. <laughs> what was the thing we were saying a few weeks ago? <laughs> oh, the uh, the whole snake rodeo. The, the, the snake rodeo. <laughs> what was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, snake rodeo. Anyways. She says, stuff it. I still want to control the Jedi because the Jedi can't protect everybody from the Sith, which I know are real, unless they're under government control, is what she says. Because the only Sith come from the Jedi. Yeah, the the Sith are just Jedi who've gone off their meds, is what she says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And, well... She's not wrong in, uh, you know, livable galactic history. All yeah. the way back to Darth Vader. Yeah. It was, he's a Jedi. Because most people, I mean, I'm sure Dala knows, but it wasn't like Palpatine, the Emperor, was touted as being a Sith. It was, look at the man with the red lightsaber, you know, pay attention to him. Yeah. Don't worry about what the fucking Wizard of Oz is doing behind the curtains. And then... All of history, the only Sith that we've seen are, yeah, fallen Jedi, right? Like, yeah. Jedi gone bad. And so she's not wrong. The The Jedi have time and time again failed to police themselves. I mean, as recently as two years ago with the Jason Solo whole saga, right? Yeah, that old snafu. <laughs> yeah, that little, that little misstep. <laughs> yeah, a little hiccup in time. But so... 
it just makes it begs the question for me again. Should regular people like Dala be allowed to be in charge of the universe when you have wizards? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think you need I think maybe a joint government would probably be helpful. Which is not what she's trying to do. No. She's trying to just get that the Jedi will be another branch of the Galactic Alliance military type of thing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, right. So yeah, maybe that would work. But Maybe just the Jedi with special powers and under uh, broader understanding of, I don't know, causes, effects, events in general should maybe be the ones in charge of making decisions. And when was the last time we saw that in the Star Wars uh, world universe? Yeah, no, it would very be long Princess time Leia in the New Republic era. Yeah. And she was barely a Jedi then. And I don't want to say that now. But she hadn't trained under Master Sabatine yet. No. Back when she was the, not chief of state, whatever they called it. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, the leader. The fucking leader of the free rebellion that is now the New Republic. Yeah, and she she was the, she, yeah, she was she the chief of state? Yeah, she was the, she was the, she, the president of the galaxy. Yeah. She was, and she was force sensitive. And you know what? Maybe, obviously, we'll explore that more when we get to those books of that era. But I think the only thing that really went wrong was Thrawn. <laughs> yeah, and he, and you know, an unknown threat from outside of the outside known force, galaxy. Yeah. Eh, I don't remember any Jedi really going bad under Luke Skywalker and his twin sister, President of the Galaxy, Princess Leia. No, that seemed to work out. So maybe we just need more of that. We've only seen Sith in charge, whether it's Jason or Palpatine and Vader, you know, we've only seen the bad guy force users in charge, even back to the old Republic or uh, the, the, the Republic. <laughs> I don't know the, the Anakin Skywalker era. Yeah. I'm, I'm fucking tired right now. But even back to then, we didn't see the Jedi in charge of anything. They just were fucking, they were their own party with their own interests and defended the Republic against outside threats. Yeah. they were, And then it was a civil war that tore it all apart. Right? Yeah. They worked as part of the military sometimes like they had their own military force I and think, their own ships. I, th- and... I don't, I think that was the first time that happened was in the clone, uh, the attack of the clones. I think that was the first time that the Jedi, I'm fucking probably dumb. I'm probably wrong. I don't even know. I'm not going to finish the thought. Okay. (laughs) Except I'm pretty sure it's wrong. (laughs) But anyways, why can't the good guys, the good guy wizards, why, why can't Gandalf just be in charge? Come on. Where I, King Luke would be fucking pretty good guy. Yeah. And everybody is of the same mind that Luke is a good guy. Like everybody thinks that. Yeah. Except for recent events yeah except up until his exile in charge of jason falling to the dark side that being his responsibility up until then everybody's like what a hero yeah he's so he he overlooked something that with his family which you're a jedi you're not really supposed to but happens why you're not supposed to have family right Yeah. yeah but everyone is under the pretty much consensus that he's in general overall good dude just wants to do good things for everybody. Except for Dala. Because she came into this whole party 
with a vendetta against the Jedi mm-hmm. already. And at the end, when a dark Jedi Sith was taking over everything. Exactly. Pretty much cemented her opinion. Mm-hmm. And so when Jag approaches her and says, look, it's someone else's fault. She goes, thumbs up. That was a middle finger, actually. <laughs> and tells him to beat it. Because she's doing exactly what she wants to be doing. Yeah. Chapter 18. She called herself Abeloth. And oh, oh, oh my God, dude. How I have waited for this moment since we started talking about doing this podcast and figured out that we were going to do Legacy of the Force first. And then do Fate of the Jedi, which you haven't read yet. Mm-hmm. Almost two years ago. And I've been waiting. Waiting for this character to appear. She peeked out from under the covers in the last episode. Yeah, yeah. Now we have a name. But in this chapter, she called herself Abeloth. Abeloth looked lovely and more or less human. <laughs> but today her hair was brown and long instead of honey colored and shoulder length as it had been when Vistara and Ari had found her in her cave. Her nose was also a bit longer and straighter than usual, and her eyes were a bit more silver than gray, with a definite upward slant at the outer corners. Abeloth's face changed like that, seeming to take hints from the appearance of anyone with whom she spent time. And somehow it only served to make her more enchanting, as though each new detail deepened the luster of her beauty. Ah, ah, I'm so excited. And red flags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Just even that that word at the end of the description, finding her more enchanting. That's mm-hmm. such a purposefully chosen word. It's yeah. so loaded with, you know, uh, brain control, mind yeah. control. <laughs> yeah. You're not, you don't become enchanted and then completely act of your own free will forever right no become part of being enchanted is either what what how would you say it? either missing part of reality or becoming under someone else's control you know it's a yeah just it's a, it's a purposely chosen word I, I like that noticing noticing the problems but omitting them because they don't matter because you like this person. Yeah. And also, her features change. So maybe it won't be a problem tomorrow. <laughs> you know, like as Vestara yeah. noted, different this time. She looks a little bit different this time. And even says a bit later, she thinks that Abeloth is a swirling halo of force energy that appears as a woman because they can't comprehend her real form with their mortal minds. Like a biblical angel. Yes. Right. Yep. As we know from not Catholic school, but supernatural. Yes. <laughs> yes. The TV show, which is awesome. Oh, man. They had like, I'll say this, like season one. All right. Good. Season two. Gooder. And then like three, four, five, maybe even six, if I'm remembering correctly hot hot fire like amazing 
amazing, deep, emotional storylines interwoven over this really messy, like, I don't know, kind of making up the rules of demons coming into the world type of thing. As yeah. Go, you know? It was just cool. That was a good show. And then the second half of that whole series just kind of started... They were, like, running out of things to do. Yeah, they kind of went back to season one format where it was, like, Monster of the Week episode. Yeah. And, like, less tie together. More one-shots and less cohesive uh, campaign. Yes. <laughs> In D&D parlance. But, but anyways, back to the story. Abeloth is neat. And... She's definitely being tricky because as we go through this chapter, we come to understand through Vestara's perspective that Abeloth is maybe giving some contradictory information to the Sith and maybe hiding parts of her information, things like that. For and example, can seem to control the plants and the deadly things around. Yeah. Too. Strange things like, well, first of all, talking about the things that she said, she said she's been stranded here on this planet for 30 years. Okay. Okay, you're in the middle of black holes. That's all right. She doesn't explain the cocoon that she wrapped Master Zal up in mm -hmm. when they first found her in the cave. Uh, or the ceiling tentacles. No, just add, don't worry, nothing can hurt you. Says exactly that, yeah. The, the animals and plants won't harm, no animals will harm you while you're in my presence or something like that. Intriguing. Interesting. She's very enigmatic on purpose, which is funny because the whole th uh, allure of these Sith coming into this, um, coming into the story as a fresh piece is that we don't know that much about them and they are very enigmatic. Yeah. You know, and then now you drop this super concentrated... <laughs> <laughs> mystery in the middle of these mysterious people already it's a cool contrast yeah but she is very strange and here on this mystery planet where the sith had come tracking ship and he was warning them away all along the way they haven't found him lady Rhea is giving the order for Everyone to leave. The ship is lost. The Sith are going to get on a shuttle with Abeloth and bring her back to Kesh. Yeah, because apparently she wants to leave. That's what she's telling him. This is the plan when, surprise, surprise, just as we're giving up on finding ship, here he comes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> flying by and telling Vistara they're doomed for having come here. Hmm. Why? Hmm. What could be happening? Yeah, it is. I, I don't. I don't know if it's later in the chapter, but he says, "I I am following a will. I cannot fight it." Yeah. And he says, "Now that you're here, you're here forever, just like me." And it starts to be revealed why they're doomed, as the Sith chase after ship, of course, predictably. Mm-hmm. Lady Rhea, in the company of Vestara, her apprentice, and Abeloth, the magic, definitely not made of ceiling tentacles woman <laughs> yeah. with 
changing hair and facial features. And definitely not a drop of forced juice. Nope, not at all. Uh, while Lady Rhea is in the company of Abeloth, she is attacked by a river plant. Yeah, sucked under. And Vistara is forced to save her. But wait, they've been safe from the plants and animals this whole time with Abeloth. And she was inches away when Lady Rhea was attacked. Oh, also, Abeloth feels lonely to Vistara sometimes. And the thing controlling ship, he says is lonely. Mm-hmm. And also says... Well, he doesn't say this specifically yet. I'll get to that in a minute. All right. But he alludes to the fact at this point that the thing that is controlling him is both lonely and unfathomably powerful in the force. Like you couldn't possibly understand. Oh, and all this happens, snaps off after Lady Rhea says it's time to leave this planet. That ship is saying you're never leaving this planet. All this happens, and then Vistara sees something while standing there after having saved her master from the river plant. Behind Zal and Ari stood something tall and vaguely human with a long cascade of yellow hair that reached nearly to the ground. Her eyes were tiny and deep sunken like two stars shining out of a pair of black wells. And she had a large, full-lipped mouth so broad that it reached from ear to ear. Her stubby arms protruded no more than ten centimeters from her shoulders, but in place of fingers, her hands had writhing tentacles so long that they hung down past her knees. The body was as straight as a tree trunk, and as she started downstream to the place where Vestara and Lady Rhea would be coming ashore, Her legs did not seem to swing forward so much as ripple. It is a terrifying mental image. But it is... Joker grin with the three-inch arms. Does it sound familiar? Oh, it's definitely... Because it's the exact face that Luke saw when he was looking into the bubbling smoke water. That he said felt like it was imbued with dark side energy. Yeah. Yeah. And Vestara sees it behind her best friend and potential lover on the other side of the river. And guess what's even worse? She's the only one that sees this new horrible shape that Abeloth has taken. Yeah, I wonder what changed. It's a good question, right? Yeah. What changed? Just the fact that she put the clues together? Is her, you know, connecting dots unlocked her from the the glamour, as it would be said in the Dark Tower? Yeah, maybe there's a there's an episode of uh, way back the of the TV show Angel. There's this like weird godlike entity that looks enchants everybody. Beautiful, right. beautiful, and then yeah. the so name enchanting. gets the name gets said out loud, and then she's just this gross, horrible. Because it's a demon's name, and yeah, 
Yes, it, that this actually reminded me of that. type of thing. Yeah, it's gross. Well, I wonder too if it's like one of those, like a like strange perspective art, where you look at a picture and it looks like one thing, and if you look at a different part of the picture, it looks like a different thing. Okay, yeah. But once you see that, you can't unsee that. Yeah. Type of thing. Like the whole vase with the two faces. Yeah. Or like the the FedEx logo has an arrow in it. Yeah. You know, to imply movement, whatever. Subliminally. That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Once you see it, once you get it, you can't unget it. Yeah. But Vistara seems to be the only one that sees this horror machine. Everyone else around her is reacting as though Abeloth, who I almost just called Lumaya. (laughs) (laughs) is in well her more ladylike form still or projecting an image or yeah force mind boggling them yeah (laughs) she's doing something you know enchanting them ship speeds by again at this point and Vistara tries to command him as she always does Mm -hmm. and he says quote Silly child, you are strong, but strong is nothing compared with almighty. That was the thing I didn't want to say yet. Yeah. So we get the, you know, the, the earth referential Catholic based form of an angel, you know, the unseeable thing that will burn your soul out. If you looked at its true form, you couldn't possibly handle it. You puny humans. And then the the literal use of the word almighty, which is, again, a very purposefully chosen loaded word. Yeah. My question is, what is happening? (laughs) What is this thing? Yeah, it's it's still just the to me feels the same as as it did when she she it they whatever. Yeah. First showed up. It's just we can just call her by name now. Yes, Abeloth. we can. Abeloth. When Abeloth first showed up in Luke's little vision, mm-hmm. just pure energy. Right. I don't think it's either good or bad. It's just I want what I want, so but you're gonna stick around. Maybe it's not even I want what I want. It's just I mean that, but from where? Like from what uh, oh. angle of being lonely? Yeah. Who is this thing? What is this thing that's claiming to have been stuck on this volcano death plant uh, planet for 30 years that is so desperately lonely and also has the almighty unbreakable will to do whatever it wants to do, seemingly? Yeah. What the hell is this thing? And it was around this point, reading these books the first time, that I was like, oh, man, this is a different Star Wars story than yeah. we've ever had before. <laughs> yeah, this is way I've different. read before. Anyways. Yeah. It's not an alien. It's, it's not, not. It's not. It's. What is it? Yeah. What do we know that it's not? We know it's not a, a Yuzhan Vong alien from outside the galaxy, but maybe it is. Maybe it comes from a galaxy made entirely of force. 
You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And it's like I don't I don't know. And it and it's stuck here. It could be extra galactic. And then it came here and it got locked in the maw by the Killix or something. What is this thing? Yeah, there's no there's no like ref like um not reference um comparison? Yeah, comparison. No comparable? Uh, the word I'm looking for starts with a P, but I can't quite get it. Ooh, I don't know. Yeah, like, uh, like when you're talking parable. About, when you're talking about um, law in that with something that precedent. Prece- precedent. Ah, <laughs> yes. Good. See, we got there. Yeah. Don't worry, fans. We will not cut that out. Um, yeah, there, you're right. They're seemingly th- from the books that we've read, and especially the first Hunter read this, and now. Passing that tipping point of the middle of the book where Troy goes, here's this thing in the cave. This has escalated quickly. Yeah. At first, it could have just been some lady in a cave. Yeah. Uh, but now... Or just even a tentacle monster in a cave. Yeah, anything. But yeah. now it is many things. And like I was, like was going to say, it's like this point in this triple trilogy, in this Fate of the Jedi series almost said the wrong one where i realized like oh this is gonna be weird yeah we're in for a ride this is gonna be weird science fiction like this is going maybe not so horribly racist lovecraftian sort of way Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) creepy scary tentacle monsters but what is she? I like the Lovecraft reference, by the way. I, I mean, like it. That's all. That's so. Uh, I hadn't thought about it honestly till just now, but that's very heavily what this feels like. Yeah. And I don't know an unknowable entity with unimaginable power. Yeah, from somewhere who knows. From where. somewhere far beyond hard to reach places. <laughs> yeah. Gotta get a back scratcher. Like I. <laughs> I don't know what this thing is, but I know that this Star Wars series is just unlike any other thing that I've read in many ways. Obviously, there's a lot of ways that it is familiar, and it does have Star Wars tropes and hallmarks in very positive and negative ways sometimes. But mm-hmm. this is a definite departure, man, Yeah, from the last... Let's, you know, we'll, we'll reiterate it again and count backwards through the last set's of Star Wars stories was a civil war with a fallen Jedi. Yeah, that's that's all inside the house. That's very inside. Yeah, that's the house. standard. Yeah. Uh backwards to Troy's trilogy with the Killix, which is an in-universe unknown threat that emerges and is then taken care of. Yep. From inside the universe. And then go back <laughs> to the new Jedi Order series, which is the Yuzhan Vong invasion which is an outside threat or sorry, an unknown threat from outside the galaxy instead of unknown inside or known inside. Yeah. So we're extrapolating, uh, as we're moving forward through the timeline of these books, right? We're getting a narrower and narrower scope of what the problem in the universe is. You go from aliens outside attacking to aliens inside attacking to humans having problems inside and tearing themselves apart. Yeah. Right? Narrow, narrow, narrow the scope. And then throw a bomb in it. And then, (laughs) 
alien god angel. I don't know. Yeah, no idea. Right? <laughs> and we're hitting a totally different stride yeah, in this story. It's a it's a completely it it's like like you were saying where it's got things in there that you recognize and things that people are doing. Yeah. It's like when you're not when you're driving down a road and you know what road a familiar, you're on. A familiar drive. Yeah, you know what road you're on. Mm-hmm. But for that that second where you're like, all of a sudden where? on Highway Three, there's a ten thousand gigawatt <laughs> fucking billboard that's LED, yeah, and you're like, that's never been there before, <laughs> yeah, exactly like right. that. But in fairness, if we look backwards at the first two stories, it's uh, the first two books in this story, mm-hmm. it's heavily foreshadowed because the whole focus is going further out from Coruscant yeah. further deeper into the weirder parts and weirder aliens of the galaxy. And yeah. And, the and then we come force. to this concentration of weirdness within our newest weirdness of the Sith, the tribe. Yeah. And it's the pinnacle tipping point. And Vistara seeing this bizarre creature monster and ship calling its power almighty I got yeah. all the goosebumps, man. <laughs> and that's me giving myself them just talking about this shit. Got all goosey. So ship disappears again after saying no dice. The Sith all chased after him this time again, but not Vestara. She's left on the shore alone with Abeloth as we end the chapter. And in case you didn't know, once again, Vestara is very special. Yeah. Ship only talks to her. She's the only one that can see Abeloth's form have changed or whatever. And I just, man, I love Troy's writing. It's so, he uses the right amount of, of just right on, right dead on words that are, are just, it's like, yeah. here's the, here's what I want you to see. He, he but picks the, rest the, is the nice perfect and, words for us nerds. That's for sure. Like, yeah. For me and you specifically, like I enchanted, I loved almighty. I love like wild, never mind loving Troy's writing just for his word choices. I'm seeing a theme here across not just his writing, but you know, God, we want to love those other books so hard. (laughs) The endings just fall a little short, right? The first two. Yeah. Good books. Solid. Good writing. I like Aaron. I like Christy. We love Troy the most. Sorry. Yeah. But I'm seeing a a solid theme, and maybe I'm crazy, starting to come out of the female characters in this book series, where a number of them, most of them, the main characters, are very powerful women, but they're either maligned or ostracized for various reasons. Yeah. And I was ready we'll just break it down one by one first i'll say the list of names and then we'll go back one by one so powerful maligned ostracized women number one tahiri this is no order jaina vestara dala abeloth some similarities in other characters but really it popped into my mind those five yeah especially those definitely the five big ones so tahiri obviously powerful jedi uh, was powerful enough to be chosen as Jason's right-hand man. Lady. 
Yeah. Uh, strong enough to be able to turn her back herself back from the dark side with Ben's help, right? Yep. Strong of will, strong of powers, strong of whatever. Ostracized for a long time from the Jedi community, by herself even, from being captured by the Yuuzhan Vong and tortured and brainwashed. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, from the loss of Anakin, she kicked herself, or not kicked herself, she distanced herself away from all the Jedi and the Jedi Order because it all hurt so bad. Yeah, all, Anakin all a reminder. Right? And now maligned for having been Jason's understudy in his coup of taking over the universe as a bad guy. Yeah. A clear bad guy. She was not in the picture when he was still a good guy. Or a questionable bad guy. I guess she was kind of around. But in the public, she was the clear bad guy standing at his side with him. Yeah, and they can't blame him anymore because he did. Yeah. And isn't that isn't that funny, right? The justice has to fall the next step down. Yeah. And so she's currently arrested. <laughs> she's been ostracized from, from her her Jedi community, her civilian community. She's isolated. Maybe that's Extremely, a better word that is than a good ostracized. One. Although ostracized is still part of it because forcibly being, being removed from these public groups that you belong to or, or uh, social groups, right? Yeah. That's Tahiri. Jaina. Most powerful Jedi in the galaxy probably right now, other than maybe Luke and then maybe Ben. Yeah. Jason's dead. <laughs> yeah. So and she killed him. She so. killed him in a battle of force power and will and strength. But Jaina, we don't need to reiterate all the all the reason why she's powerful. She's a main character across many many books for a reason. But how is she maligned and ostracized? Well, number one, she has never entirely fit in with the Jedi Order ever since she joined the military. That's always been a conflict for her. Yeah. She's caught between two worlds, always. Which is now echoed again in this book series between her and Jag. Right? Yeah. Her, uh, what do you call that? Engagement mm-hmm. to Jag. It puts her in another place in between two worlds. But she's also ostracized, I would assume, or I would have inferred from the text over the last two years because she killed her brother and she separated herself away from the Jedi. Yeah, for she a long time. She isolated herself to deal with all the emotions that came with the months of training to kill your brother and then doing it and him turning into a good guy again at the end and we all cry down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't make any sense. I understood. I know. We've all, I know. I could see on your face that you got it. Yeah. But I just, I was really puzzled by my choice of words. Anyways, she is, as far as the Jedi Order goes, for being the sword of the Jedi, she's about as outside of the Jedi Order as you get. Yeah. She's not a master. She's been in the military. She's constantly going on her own. Uh, missions of you know her family and stuff like that. But, yeah, to making her own choices rather than going. But then the Jedi now, way. into this text, her parents aren't speaking to her. Yep, a little more isolated, more and more by degrees, right? Vestara, maybe not maligned, maybe not even ostracized, but isolated. Yes, from her family, and then more so isolated from the rest of their society. As the tribe moves into this mysterious planet with this mysterious god force. And again, being the only one that can see her, 
Avaleth for who she is. It is something that we're being told constantly through the text is that she is special. She does stand out. She mm-hmm. is isolated by virtue of being better. She is chosen by the highest lady to be uh, to apprentice under. You know what I mean? Like she is chosen, chosen, chosen. She's special, 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 set apart from everybody else constantly. Maybe not yet maligned or ostracized, but having now failed to get ship, we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Although then again, we haven't failed because where we leave this chapter is her standing on the beach with Abeloth by themselves. Yeah, with her weird tentacle hands around her. fine. Dala. Never accepted as part of the Imperial forces. Female moth. That's not going to work. Female leader in general. In general, yeah. It's very... uh... Hated for her cold-heartedness and calculated maneuvers by, by men across the Empire. You know, ostracized from her Imperial community so far that she ends up in the Maw, isolated, building her own city fleet. Yeah. Where people are having children and such. Right? So far removed and isolated from her probably chosen societies or chosen, Mm -hmm. I don't know, places that she would want to be. Obviously, she wants to be a part of the Empire, right? She wouldn't have joined it and stuck so strictly to uh, the structure of it. And fought her way to where she was. Exactly. You don't fight hard for things you don't care about. Yeah. Right. So she ends up so isolated that she's not just kicked out of the empire, chased away to a hole of black holes. Yeah. And then now she comes back into this text and she is once again, set apart from everybody else. She is one of a kind in that government. As far as, first of all, she's the president of the universe. Number two, she is was not a citizen of the Galactic Alliance, really, no. before she was made the president. Okay, number two, she has her own fleet and contacts. You know what I mean? Like, she is so separate in so many ways. Yeah. It's almost a mirror of isolation, even now, coming back into society. Even at the highest standing. Yeah, if for, for most of, I would say... Because it's not really a democratic uh, government. but Yeah, by the way, everybody <laughs> in this government got appointed by Luke Skywalker two years ago. Yeah. And for if, if it was democratic, for most people of voting age, nobody knows who she is. Well, that'd be the whole thing, right? She's like, she's Han and Leia's age. Yeah. If not, you know, she, give or take a decade. Yeah, she's, say... Which, between them, there's 20 years difference between yeah, them. Yeah, say she's between 65 and 75 or something like but that. Just, yeah, again, you know, a one-of-a-kind standout, whether that's... Po- uh, with all of... Not whether, with all of the positives and negatives that come with that. Mm-hmm. Each one of these girls retroactively apply that to. Yes. <laughs> Women. Excuse me. Finally... Abeloth, who we know the least about, mm-hmm. but definitely powerful. Yes. The descriptions that we get of her power are from Festara, Luke, and Ship, you know, most pointedly. And all three of them, Luke and Ship especially, call her power 
unbelievable, unmatchable. Yeah, like almost unknowable. Unknowable. Good word for that. And you don't get very much more maligned and ostracized and isolated than maybe purposely locked in a ring of black holes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, so echoes of the of this isolated power woman are just it's all expressed in different degrees through these characters. And I like that they all have this common thread running through them. And they are all variants of that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like different degrees of maligned or ostracized or isolated or powerful. Yeah. You know, from from Dala to Tahiri to Jaina to Vestara to Abeloth. Yeah, and all and powerful wouldn't be, in their own wouldn't ways. Wouldn't it be really neat if I just put those last two in the right order? <laughs> Vistara, Jaina, Vestara, Abeloth. But, you know, it's just, I don't know. It hit me when I was, ref when I was thinking about what I wanted to say about Abeloth's loneliness. Like that is such a powerful, uh, I keep saying thread, but it's such a powerful point being made repeatedly about this threat. Mm -hmm. This, the threat is loneliness and the comfort of giving in to comfort. Yeah. Because the ten the the tentacle tendril slithers up inside of you, tells you everything's okay, and I'm gonna take care of you now. And you either have the will to resist the easy comfort, yeah, or you don't, and you're stuck here forever. And then now look at these five women, Abeloth, notwithstanding. Although maybe she's resisting the tentacle thing too. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Ugh. Because honestly, foggy on the details, clear on the big picture. Yeah. Very yeah. foggy on the details. So all these women exhibit time and time again the strength to be lonely. Do, yes. To yeah. do the right thing under threat of loneliness. Yeah. Right? And so maybe this commonality between the four of them again i'm gonna exclude abloth is going to be some sort of like culminating force i should say force in star wars but culminating <laughs> a, a power that <laughs> that you know the uh, the ability to withstand or even uh i don't know laugh in the face of the threat of loneliness Ugh. Even just the ability to even be able to do that is going to be important, obviously, right? Because everybody that we know has given in to this longing neediness that's going to comfort you yeah, and care for you. Everybody we know that's given into it had a negative consequences. And the threat that we're given from ship is forever. Yeah. And then we flash back to Luke and Ben inside of sinkhole station and the, the mind walkers floating in the purple light. And that's also forever. Yeah. How are the two connected and how wait, sorry, before we go too far off, yeah. I'm going to wrap up that point. Okay. Of, yeah, yeah. 
how 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 much is the combination of these four women going to be the solution to the problem? You know what I mean? Or or uh, or a defense against the problem, against the threat, whatever the looming threat is of this tentacle monster. How much <laughs> is it going to boil down to these four women and their power of isolation, so to speak? Yeah, you know? or the their their power of choice. That's their I agency like that. in their ability to yeah make their own decisions, regardless of the consequences. I like I like that, and not always in a positive way. No, and that's good too. There's a lot of people hating on Dollar right now. Well, I kind of am. I like the Jedi. I just think, I think these 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 female characters have. This is an, an accidental commonality. Mm. And now that I've thought of it, I want to keep thinking about it going forward. <laughs> and I'm sure you'll you'll make a little note every every week. <laughs> I'll try. To try and find it. Chapter 19. Jaina, the horns, Saba, and more are at Dalla's, uh, quote, secret prison to demand the release of Gisela and Valen. Jaina is sneaking in the back while everyone else waits for her to let them in. And I thought she was going to do our D&D trick from last week where everybody else goes and knocks <laughs> on the front door yeah. and she goes and sneaks in the back. Nope, this is a different situation. Different goal. I thought for sure they were going to be distracting people and kidnapping frozen horn babies. I thought so too. But no. Jaina breaks in and lets everyone else in. She's the hero, Tim. Your descriptive things are so good to the frozen horn babies. <laughs> it's so good. I love it every Snake time. rodeo. <laughs> now, like I said, just when I'm thinking this is another prison break, it turns into a publicity trap for the GAS, the GAS, the Galactic Alliance Security. The Jedi have a writ for a visitation rights with the horns and the GAS look like dicks for denying them entry in front of the swarming press that followed the Jedi into the secret prison. Including Javis Tear, which I thought was cool. Of course, but I think it's not cool, and we'll get to that. All right. All according to plan, though, the press following them in. All the way, following them all the way upstairs to Valen and Gisela, who, instead of being, I don't know, kept in a reasonable way, are hung on display up on the executive level of the prison. Over a giant aquarium. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's the set piece that tied the whole room together, Jim. <laughs> Obviously, this is a the prison guard's flex of look at our prize, right? Yeah. They're being held on display as a prize. Again, looking like dicks on TV. Mm-hmm. Side note. Cool alien talk. The head guard is a yaka yes and i didn't look it up i don't know <laughs> well his name is colonel rook wrecked Re- sorry i didn't even say that right i got the t and k in the wrong order colonel ruck wrecked yes that, 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 that was good that was my klingon tongue <laughs> Terrible fucking name. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Terrible name. It's uh, it's it's impronounceable. What's that word? What's a word for impronounceable? I don't even know. It's unpronounceable. It's, it's eligible 
But anyways, hate that name. Um, but he does have a cyborg brain, which is cool. Yes. All of these yakas have cyborg brains <laughs> implanted in them when they're And I was just like, what a stupid sci-fi name. <laughs> Yeah, you know what we do to our babies? Brain surgery. <laughs> All right, I mean, we're living in the future. Maybe we do. Maybe I would. So, anyways, Mirax Horn. In case you don't remember, that's her two fucking kids hanging above the aquarium. Yeah. She knocks this giant bastard out cold. Yeah, and she's tiny. Yeah, but she's a spy, Tim. Don't you know? Yeah. She's Booster Tarek's daughter. That's how Jaina lists her accomplishments in her head. Yeah. When she's right, she's counting yeah. off corn horn will be able to keep his cool because of this and this and this um, incredible actions that he has personally accomplished. I know I can trust Mirax because her dad is Booster Tarek. And that's all I need to and say. <laughs> so misogynistic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how I, I can know I can trust that woman. I trust her male father. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Stupid. But this leads to Mirax Haya punch the guy out leads to a GAS Jedi standoff again where the GAS inside the prison are demanding that Mirax surrender herself for assaulting a, a police officer. Great. This is when I hate Jaina's guts. For three books, Jaina Solo has been talking about how Javis Tear is the scum of the earth yeah, because needs to be he'll do in the face. anything for a story. And then she takes advantage of that negative quality of his that she has been detesting mm-hmm. openly for her own advantage. She'll use his dirty trick for herself, but it's gross for him to do it. Yeah. Right. With a million other reporters standing around that she could have just grabbed Mr. Rando over here, grab Phil. What was the reason for pulling him aside specifically to get him on Dalla's fucking nipping at her heels to, like him? Cause he's terrible. Cause you're right. She had a room full of reporters to choose and her deal is take a picture of the writ and then I'll tell you a question to ask the fuck. Yeah. Because the writ, of course, is written by Dalla's hand-picked courtroom of Jedi Affairs appointee. Yeah. Whatever her fucking name was. Yeah. Lorelli Aratalali. Yeah. Some L-E-L-I and yeah, T li- combo. Yeah. There's an R in there. Little. Li- I don't know. Some dickhead judge lady. But it was Dalla's special Jedi judge. And so how can you possibly deny this writ? Right? Yeah. Yeah, because Dalla shows up. at. Uh, she arrives time. just in time to stomp out this bag of flaming dog shit that Jaina has left on the front porch. And in case you don't get the reference, people, Dalla's got a big mess on her shoes now. The fire might be out. But yeah. now she's got a fucking mess to deal with. She comes storming in, talking about Mirax doesn't need to surrender and a mother in... Agony. Yes. In in distress. Whatever, whatever. And then she sees the name on the thing and she's like, motherfucker. And she <laughs> yeah. eye daggers Jaina. Yeah, she's she, so mad. <laughs> and she utters a threat about 
what does she say? What does she say? She threatens yeah. the, the Jedi Solo with the law, bitch. Yeah, she everybody something, has something to... Something to the effect of, yes, we here at the prison follow will follow all the laws. Everyone yeah. should know. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Find it. Um, this facility is neither secret nor illegal, but we're all subject to the law. And I hope we all remember that in the hours and days to come. Hours and days, yeah. she says, as she threatens Jaina. And I would assume... All actually, is in italics, by the way. Actually threatening Jaina's fiancé. Who yes. she would have way more of a chance to threaten mm-hmm. than a, a bunch of Jedi. She leaves her with that little message at the end of this chapter. And this chapter, I thought, first of all, tricked me. So that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Didn't just go in there and try and break them out. Had a whole political maneuvering scheme with the press in, involved. Which I guess... You know, using the press to your advantage, I don't care about. That doesn't bother me for Jaina's character. But to deliberately pick the snake that you hate because you like his venom to kill the thing that you want to kill. If she goes on and on and on for the rest of the books about what a piece of shit this guy is. Yeah. That's that famous solo hypocrite. Yeah, we're going to... Uh, what was uh, the last, the big one in the last series that you didn't? There's something wrong. There's a. Yeah, you might, you're gonna need to be more specific. There's than a that. big one that we talked about almost every like every book review. Oh, you talked about her and her boyfriend? No, that could be it. That might have been it. That could be it. Because it was just. But that, if she goes on like yeah, yeah, pretty yeah, continuously, yeah. we're gonna it'd be every book. We'll be like, yeah, Javis oh, yeah, too. Javis too, huh? Oh, you're a fucking snake handler, bro. Yeah, that blow snake your, rodeo. Blow your fucking fleet. <laughs> snake rodeo is coming back, baby. Also, it's called a flute of fleet, and that's called sci-fi, bro. Yeah, write it down. A fleet of snakes at the rodeo. Blow your snake horns. All right. Pretty good. Pretty good political maneuver, though, by the Jedi. Yeah. Which, by the way, the whole time. Jaina saying, mm-hmm. this is, whose plan is this? This be Jag's idea. And cue the threat at the end of the chapter as I pull the trigger on my finger gun. Chapter 20. Han and Leia are staring out a tinted window, thinking about how mad they are at Jaina over the 12-hour Mandalorian secret. Mm-hmm. Han is especially mad. And you know what, Tim? They can both fuck right off. Han... Can especially fuck right off. Leia's less mad. I don't want them to fuck off just because they're mad about this secret. Tune in and buckle the fuck up for about three minutes. Not just because they're mad at Jaina Solo, thus making them the galaxy's most hypocritical secret keepers, but because of Han Solo, specifically. 70-ish tilled key years old mm-hmm. that means approximately right the swoosh the tilt the tilt i think so it approximately means approximately han solo never learns follow me all the way back to cern okay during the yuzhan vong war yeah where chewbacca dies crushed by a moon saving anakin Solo on behalf 
of Han Solo. Chewbacca saved his son as a favor to him. Sacrificed himself mm-hmm. to save his best friend's kid. Han Solo then blames Anakin for Chewie's death and is furious with him until Anakin dies. Nice. Mm-hmm. Flash forward to the legacy of the Force. Jason says over Spice Loaf that Corellia is wrong and should stop. Han gets mad. Furious, in fact, and stays mad at him until Jason dies. <laughs> Flash forward to now. Jaina kept a secret for half a day. How long will this furious grudge last? One of two things is going to happen. Han is going to finally learn and change from the pain of all of his anguished losses that he's never, I'm sure, gotten. What do you call that? Not clearance, closure (laughs) on because he let them all go in horrible ways. Mm-hmm. Or two, this is very scary foreshadowing about Jaina's fate. <laughs> yes, it is. What do you think is going to happen, Tim? Is a 70-year-old man going to learn a lesson finally on the third try? Or is his daughter doomed to die? Uh, I'm hoping that he just stays mad and she doesn't die. <laughs> oh, you're, you're hoping... You're hoping for the clearly impossible choice. Yeah, I don't. He doesn't have to learn, but she because doesn't have to die. I don't know if you know this. Everyone that he gets mad at dies. Yeah, Thrak and Sal Solo dead. Boba Fett, they're friends. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know whatever. But seriously, I'm so fucking annoyed with this character for having no retroactive emotional knowledge at all. Yeah, like. I'm so mad at my daughter. I'm not going to talk to her. Hey man, didn't you just do this two years ago? And then two fucking years before that. Yeah. It's, a, five bit of, year, the, it's it been a pretty quick succession. You know, the uh, killer the, crisis happened in between. Yeah. In the last but 10 still, years or like, so. Dude, you hated your youngest son because your best friend sacrificed his life to save him. Cool move. Your son then sacrificed his life to save everyone. So I guess you can love him again. Your second son, I mean first son, technically, hated his guts because he was like, Dad, Corellia's wrong. And you were like, I'm mad and leaving to overthrow a government. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then he fucking died. Never made, never, never spoke to him about his feelings. Not not once did he talk to Jason about, I think you're doing the wrong thing. There was maybe a moment of a look or a one or two words when Jason delivered Aelin Vell, uh, Boba Fett's dead yeah. daughter. Other than that, just keeps getting mad at his kids until they're dead. For <laughs> exponentially <laughs> smaller reasons. <laughs> yeah. Like... Man. Um, he saved your life and now you're alive and he's not, I'm, I'm like, just, it's, you yeah. kept a secret Project- for half a day. Yeah. Pissed. Yeah. Just smaller and smaller. And it's really just, you know, the standard old man failure to accept the appropriate responsible guilt that you should feel. 
Hey, they got Alana now. Maybe she'll refuse to drink some milk. Yeah, and fucking die for it. <laughs> That'll be the next one. Anyways, it's time to smuggle Jedi crazies off of Coruscant. And goddamn if there doesn't seem to be a bunch of Mandos outside the window. And through genius process of elimination, Han and Leia figure out they have some special fucking... XCOM 350 wall vision technology. Some scope that can see through mirrored walls or something. They can see through the walls. Oh, and now they're firing Pew Pew Baby. Yeah. We get a frantic sky bridge battle. Leia and a few apprentices and Han versus a bunch of jetpacked Mandalorians. Yeah, five or six of them. In Beskargum. It's another fantastic action scene, like fast-paced power scene from Troy. Yeah, I like that Leia was the focal point yeah. for for most of it. And we've been talking about that over these books, man. The, she's on the cover, by the way, of yes. Abyss, not to be forgotten. Nope. But she hasn't really been much of a focus during this She book. ages well. Yeah, well, in, in art. <laughs> she didn't. Anyways. <laughs> I don't even know what the hell I was going to joke about there. But what was the other thing that I actually wanted to say? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I liked what I liked about this fight was, yes, that it focused on Leia and that they did that thing again where all the men needed her help. Mm -hmm. Right. We talked about it specifically in Christy Golden's book because I don't know, maybe it stood out more with a, a female author on my mind to, you know, look for the female standing out more. Mm-hmm. Well, here's Troy doing it with Leia. She's on the cover, but it's another instance of every other person in that fight is a man, except for a blinded blonde Mandalorian. Yeah. By the way, what color armor did she say she was wearing? Did she not say pink? I don't remember. Is that not Murta Gev? If she's not, if she's healed. Could be. That's my guess. Yeah, maybe it was a robotic suit. Maybe it was an exosuit. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she did get healed. No, I don't remember. She did get that one injection that started the healing process. Yeah. I wonder where Grandpa is, because he can't go back home. No, either can she, because she's got the fat blood. Right, so she's been here on Coruscant the whole time. Yeah. Just waiting for a job. No, I don't know. Maybe, I would love if that was her, though. And now she's blind, too. <laughs> like, she just <laughs> loses so much to... Anyways. <laughs> I don't. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like <laughs> the other thing that I liked was not just Leia's perspective, but bouncing the the fight itself moved several times. Mm-hmm. Where it starts there on a sky bridge sidewalk, right? Yeah, because they have sky traffic and then bridges that connect buildings for pedestrians, so you don't have to go. 60,000 feet down to the ground to cross the fucking road. <laughs> and then take the elevator back <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, imagine that. And, and it's so it's so far too. You'd be on the elevator for like five minutes just across the road. <laughs> the elevators would always be full too. That would be the worst part because yeah. everybody would have to do it. Anyways, it starts on a sidewalk right outside of this area of the Jedi Temple that they're smuggling the people out of. And then it goes across the sidewalk towards a roof where the Mandalorians were, but two of them come out of the elevator with the special fucking who's it, what's it, wall seer thing. Mm-hmm. And then 
more Mandalorians go jetpacking over to the sidewalk where like she runs back and forth and then, you know, she has to save everybody and give up the evidence of the special technology that would tie Dala to the Mandalorians and make her look really bad publicly. Yeah. But I just, I really loved the scene with Leia. It was, it was good. And like, you know, having, having her watch her normie husband get fucking clubbed in the back with a blaster and almost shot in the face. There's a red spray and she's not <laughs> sure if that was him or not. It, it, I don't know if that was him or if that was melted yeah. to like, to like <laughs> Durasteel or something. metal. Yeah. 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 Well, it could be both at that point. Yeah. So there's one other person out in the fight. Oh yeah. Wait, before we go too far, Leia straight up kills two Mandalorians. One guy, she whips him downwards oh, with yeah. his jetpack, and he explodes into an orange flame. Yeah, it bounces and off of traffic. And another stuff. guy, no, 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 not that guy. Oh. The guy who bounces off the traffic explodes into a red mist. <laughs> not go. fire. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So she straight up kills two Mandalorians by herself while defending everyone else, which is the sacrifice to lose the evidence. Mm-hmm. But there is somebody else out there helping the good fight the good fight. It's Basil Warv. One of the crazy Jedi that they're trying to abscond from Coruscant with. Yeah, that couldn't be sedated because the sedation makes him go crazy. Chef kiss for abscond. Yes. Exactly. They're trying to keep him in this bubble of Isalamiri force deadness, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he gets loose and he shows off his newly imbued crazy Jedi force power. Never heard of it. His chains were heaped at his feet. And the Mandalorian was still in his grasp. There was blood seeping from every seam in the man's armor. And the Ramoan's fingers were somehow inside the chest plate, having sunk through the Beskar steel without so much as denting it. Obviously, he was using a force power and one that Leia hadn't even heard of. That's gruesome. Yeah, it, it, to me, it struck me as like a, an expansion on the Shatterpoint technique almost. I don't think so, though. I th- I think it was more like... I think it was more... Wow, this didn't occur to me till right now. First of all, what I was thinking what it was, was that he just kind of... <laughs> I went through several thoughts. Okay. The first one was that he just kind of ghosted his hand through the armor, because it's, it's undented, right? So he mm-hmm. didn't touch the armor. I just thought he reached into the guy's chest and squeezed his heart. Yeah. Squeezed all his blood out. And then... Raynar Thol steps up and he says, I know what that is. Sorry. We know what that is. We the Killix. And he says, it was a power that the Killix had. They could use the force to change the state of matter back when they created the Maw. And fuck me and you for forgetting that last, like, what was it like two episodes ago? We were like, who made it, man? Yeah. It was the Killix, but that doesn't explain much because they're such a fucking mystery, especially their motivations when they absorb all minds into their hive mind. Yeah. And they were, when they made the, uh, you said it earlier that, what's the name of the thing? The Sinkhole Station. Sinkhole Station. When they, they were like s- slaves, workers. Yeah. I think so, right? Yeah. 
much like they were during the Killick crisis when Raynar Thol turned dark, absorbed into the hive, and then was powerful enough to control the entire hive. Yeah. So, this explanation tells me that he reached inside of his body and he turned his solids into liquids. He turned him to goo. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Phase shifted him. He changed his matter, state of matter, from solid to liquid inside. He liquefied his internal organs with his giant shark man from Lilo and Stitch hand. <laughs> That's what I picture, picture okay. Barbaz, except I think he's green. More like Shrek. Whoa. Whoa. Yep. Is Barb Shrek? <laughs> could be. Shre- Does Shrek have that kind of power? So this power, another previously unknown, newly manifested force power for a crazy Jedi. Leia has never even heard of it, and pretty sure she's never heard of Jason doing anything even remotely like reaching through metal. Yep. Yeah, like I said, the closest it comes close is when Jane is explaining what the shatter point technique looks like, where you can actually see the fibers of the metal and yeah, you know exactly where, like, where to touch it. You see it on a molecular level and you pick out a weakness and it breaks from that weakness. Yeah. This is not that. No, but that's the closest. But, but Jason did shatter point a Beskar breastplate in the last book series. Yeah. So it can be done, but that wasn't this. No, that wasn't that at all. But what it is reminding me of now that I didn't think of earlier, the Ang-T teleporting objects. Mm -hmm. That has a bit of phase matter shifting vibe to it too, you know? Yeah, it's also got a bit of these mind walkers where... Where Luke is in the purple light when he and when he goes to touch his body, it kind of goes through it. Smoke, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all kind of evocatively familiar. All these things, all, all you know, all that description. But what is this new power? And never mind our question from two weeks ago: Who created the Maw? The question is: Why <laughs> was the Maw created? Who or what? Is Abeloth. And where is Zack? <laughs> Find out next week when we cover Fate of the Jedi, Book 3, Abyss, chapters 21 through 24, in our penultimate episode of this book. I use that word a lot ever since I figured out what it means. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. Solid Mando man meat turned to hot red goo. Woo! <laughs> I like that one. That was like a haiku. You rhymed again. For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.